Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney from How They Love Mary. And if you are looking for a great gift for confirmation or First Communion, might I recommend to you Sock Religious? I know someone that recently got confirmed. They chose St. Joseph as their confirmation saint. And I bought them a pair of St. Joseph socks from Sock Religious. They make the perfect gift. They are a fun gift and a gift that they will wear and hopefully they'll wear them to church. If you want more information about Sock Religious, Find the link in the show notes and help to support the show, How They Love Mary. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Many of you who've been following me for years know that I'm a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay, Wisconsin, the home of the only approved Marian apparition site as of now in the United States in Champion, Wisconsin, an apparition received by a visionary named Adele Bryce in 1859. In the past few years, maybe five, six years now, there was a Rwandan priest who discovered the shrine, fell in love with the message and its healing charism. His name was Father Ubald, and I had a few occasions to meet Father Ubald. In fact, just a few months before he died, he and I were in the same confession line at the shrine of Our Lady of Good Help as we sought the forgiveness of the Lord through the sacrament of reconciliation. Father Ubald has since gone on to his eternal rest, dying as a result of the COVID-19 virus. But Father Ubald's story continues, and today I am going to speak with Heidi Hess-Saxton, who is from Ave Maria Press, who is the editor who worked alongside Father Ubald, who really got to know him quite well uh, over the last years, working with him on the book Father Ubald authored, Forgiveness Makes You Free. So welcome to Heidi. Thanks, Father. Thanks for having me on the program. You know, I thought it was timely to talk about Father Ubald and his book on Forgiveness Makes You Free because we're in the Lenten season. And so lots of people go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation during Lent. They seek forgiveness. But then we also hear the call from God in the scriptures to forgive others, to love our neighbor, to do good to those who hurt us. And so Father Ubald's story is one that really uh, was a story of forgiveness because of all that he experienced. Lots of people know about Immaculate Ilibagiza, uh, the Rwandan genocide survivor. So along with Father Ubald, they have shared this story uh, for many, many years now in the aftermath of that Rwandan genocide. Maybe for a lot of different people, they might not realize who Father Ubald is. Maybe this is a new name for them. Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy from Sirius XM, always talks about Catholic insider baseball, that unless you're on the inside, sometimes you don't know these things. And so unless you were in circles that Father Ubald led prayer services and healing services, maybe you don't know who he is. So who is Father Ubald? That's a good question. Father Ubald, I can consider him a friend uh, and uh, in a very real sense of a father, we I worked very closely with him to produce his book and memoir, which captured the story of how he survived miraculously the Rwandan genocide, although he lost uh, one of 45 members of his immediate family, including his mother and father and one of his brothers, as well as other family members. 
And he also, as a, he had been priest for 10 years when the uh, genocide killed more than a million people in a span of just 100 days. And many of these were former parishioners turning friend against friend and neighbor against neighbor in, in close combat with machetes and other things. It was just a horrific time of bloodletting that miraculously he survived and spent the remainder of his life of 27 years talking about the power of forgiveness, not just in the confessional, although the confessional was definitely a part of his life, but from person to person and, and uh, family member to family member, finding a way to be able to move past the wrong, either having done wrong to someone or, or being wronged by someone else in order to be able to be free. Um, this book is, uh, it talks about the five steps that are needed for uh, that kind of forgiveness, but I will always remember him mostly as the priest who was able to so forgive the man who had slaughtered, who given the command to slaughter his family, that not only did he visit the man in prison, but he went on to uh, financially provide for the man's children after his, after the that man's wife died while he was in prison and uh today he wound up putting the girl all the way through medical school he would tease me that you know she will take care of him in his old age um but now there are people all across rwanda and now across the united states who have encountered jesus through father ubald and have experienced that freedom and peace that only forgiveness from the heart can provide well, it's interesting, too, Father Ubal doing that. You know, it reminds us of the story of St. John Paul II, who goes and meets with his assassin in prison, was able to extend forgiveness to him. And these are remarkable stories when we hear them, because, you know, there are so many people, I know them, people that haven't talked to family members in years, maybe mm -hmm. even decades, that something so egregious happened to them, or something some rift in their relationship that they don't talk to one another any longer. And it just can break your heart, especially as a pastor, as we talk about forgiveness, as we all people pray in that Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that call, that mission of forgiveness really will be forgiven, Jesus says, to the degree that we forgive others. And so we need people like Father Ubald, his story of forgiveness to inspire others to forgive. I, I preached a homily a few weeks ago on forgiveness and different ways, and I'll be interested. I need to go find Father Ubald's five steps of forgiveness because, you know, one of the things I said was learn the stories about forgiveness and um, be inspired by them. There was actually this podcast by a secular individual called The Gift of Forgiveness. Immaculate was a guest on there, but I was really inspired by that podcast, listening to these different people who shared about uh, forgiveness and how they were able to reach that point. So that was one of the ways I suggested that we can learn how to forgive. And it looks like you're searching for these I five am. tips of forgiveness. Yes, the the uh, five they're, they called five spiritual keys is what they are, and this in the there's an exercise at the back of the book that guides you through these five spiritual keys. So if you get a copy of Forgiveness Makes You Free, you can read through this meditation and uh, work on forgiveness yourself. The first uh, the first step is faith. The first key is faith. Asking Jesus to show you where God has done things for you from your childhood until now. 
making a trip in your heart to see how God has been so good to you and acknowledging the many times he has taken care of you. Uh, some he might you might just write it down in a journal as that first step and that understanding how God is so good to us is what gives us the sort of the fuel to be able to move forward and being good to others. The next step um, he talks about is at the actual forgiveness. He says, imagine yourself holding a key that will unlock the chains that are binding this person to you so that you can cast aside this heavy burden. And he would often say that oftentimes it is the person who has been hurt who must initiate that forgiveness, not the one who has done the hurting, because that person who has done the hurting is already bound up in his own pain and his own shame and his regrets. So, but each person holds the key to free the other one. And so working towards that, releasing the other person, whether it's you've done the the hurting or the one you've been hurt, that is something that is, a, is an important step. The key th the three is called deliverance, which is just resisting the evil messages that come into your mind, into your heart, that would give you all the reasons why you don't want to cooperate with God's uh, healing and God's forgiveness. Um, and this is uh, unfortunately so very often, this is the enemy actively resists our efforts to seek that release and that freedom. And so uh, putting ourselves into the hands of God and surrendering ourselves to God's will and actively resisting and taking a stand against um, giving in to that weakness and that temptation to um, hold on to whatever it is that we're holding on to. That's the third step. The fourth is deciding to live for Christ. I mean, that old song, I have decided to follow Jesus, mm -hmm. no turning back. And that is just a practical step. Every day we take another step towards the cross rather than away from it. And finally, the key to five is receiving God's blessings. And if, if there is a healing that's needed, if you feel like you don't have the capacity to complete that work of forgiveness, opening your heart and asking God to fill you with that strength and that courage and that power and to receive whatever healing it is he wants to do in your heart. That's the fifth step that we need to be able to actually become free as God wants us to be free. What I love about that is that comes in the section, Pray with Father Ubald, a guided meditation. So it's really Father Ubald still leading us in prayer today, his voice mm -hmm. still alive, guiding those, guiding the people that, you know, turn to him for spiritual advice and counsel and healing. And so even from beyond the grave, and that's one of the things somebody that was a friend of Father Ubald said to me, they said that, you know, Father Ubald did a lot of great work on earth, but now he can do so much greater work from heaven from eternal life as an intercessor, as one who prays for all of us. And uh, I know that people are already asking for his intercession because they really regarded him as a saintly man. And one of the things beside this work on forgiveness, his story of forgiveness, is that he was a great healer. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily he, when I say that I should back away from that, because he would acknowledge that it's not him that heals, it's God, it's Jesus. And he would come to the shrine and champion, and he would uh, do these Eucharistic healing services. And so it would mm -hmm. be with the monstrance, with the Eucharist. And there would be healings. I know someone personally that claims to have been healed from Lyme's disease as a result of Father Ubald's healing. Uh, you know, for myself, I've experienced some sort of feeling. I don't know if it was from Father Ubald, if it was from Lourdes, but I haven't had sinus infections in like three years, and I used to get three or four of them. So there's been a physical healing in that sense uh, for myself. So 
Um, can you share more about his relationship to healing and the Eucharist? Sure. I have to say um, that uh, I was not a person who was naturally inclined toward these supernatural healings. I was raised in a Protestant tradition, and at one point in the charismatic tradition where I experienced uh, faith healing in a way that made me decidedly uncomfortable. And for time, I turned away from it because I just saw people abusing uh, those gifts in a way I found um, I was just appalled at what I saw. And so the first time I met Father Ubald at one of a wine conference with Kelly uh, Walquist and saw him praying, laying hands on women's, um, women's heads and saw them resting in the spirit the way that I had associated with those Protestant services, I was, I was at first aghast. I thought, I am, you know, I didn't think Catholics did this kind of thing. Uh, but the more that I talked to him, I recognized that there was a really important difference. And that is, as you said, he always pointed to Jesus being the one who does the healing. It's always Jesus who we, we, we can rest in that encounter. And so as I got to know Father Ubald and saw that joy that radiated from him, and saw the, the miraculous things that took place as he would process around the sanctuary with Jesus and listening intently for the voice of the Lord to tell him who it was that he wanted to heal that day. Um, I actually brought my daughter uh, into one of his healing services in Chicago. Um, she has bipolar disease and other uh, difficulties that have made it a real struggle for our family at times. But I brought her in there. I was not able to kneel. I hadn't been able to kneel down on the kneelers for a good six months because of arthritis had affected my knees. So I just had her there in the pew. She was laying on my lap and I had her look up at the monster and says, she, as father walked by with Jesus. And um, I don't know exactly how it happened, but the next thing I knew, I was down on my knees on the kneeler, and the pain was absolutely gone. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing because I didn't go there for, to have my knees healed. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't my agenda at all. But Jesus met me in a very healing way that healed not only my knees, but healed my heart as well. Uh, when I went to Father's funeral, they had an open casket uh, service, and I brought my rosary beads, and I touched them to his hands, and I said, Father, you did, you weren't able to um, to get Sarah's healing the way I asked for while you were here on earth, so I ask you now to take care of her from heaven. And so I'm continuing to pray that my daughter will receive the healing that she needs, and I'm trusting that God will bring it about in his time. Uh, we don't always get the healing that we pray for. We don't always get the physical uh, the evidence or uh, tangible proof of the healing gift. But that's really not the point. Because at the end of the day, as my seminary professor used to tell me with regard to the healing of the sick, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, God is primarily interested in the healing of your soul and the, of making of, of of reconciling you with him and any physical healing that takes place is to be gratefully received but that is not god's primary uh concern his primary goal because he wants us with him in eternity in heaven and so we have to trust him to give us what's best for us so you knelt down and experienced that 
painlessness that, you know, before you had experienced pain, is that something that has been long lasting? Do yes. Wow. To this, day, so, I, to this day, I have not received, this was three years ago when wow. this happened. And to this day, I've not had any pain. Crippling yeah. pain before, unable to kneel for six months, now kneeling every time you go to mass. That's incredible. So, And when we talk about miracles, we talk about them being instantaneous. They have to be long-lasting. You know, there has to be no medical explanation for it. I'd be curious, you know, um, I, I have a little arthritis actually in my knee. I, I had to have a MRI done. I ended up tearing my ACL, but it partially healed on its own. So they told me I didn't need surgery. Uh, I just had to do physical therapy. But you know, with all of that, I wonder for your case, what they would see now if you know the arthritis is gone, or if it's just unexplainable, it's still there, but yet you're able to function normally, you know, that's yes. curiosity <laughs> on my part. It would be if you if you don't mind another brief story that's a slight tangent from Father Ubald. Um, you know, when I was in college, I was in a very serious car accident. In my eighteen, when I was eighteen, I had to uh, learn to walk again. My my um, knees and pelvis were all shattered. They had to piece it together, and I had a rod that went from my knee all the way up to my hip for about a year after uh, the after that accident. And uh, shortly after I got out of the hospital the first time, this goes back to that healing service experience, first healing experience, I had my friend Bill brought me to his church and people were dancing around and, and you know, he was laying hands on people and uh, from each end of the church, he would, the elders would gather and they would start praying towards the middle where I was and people would flop over on their back and, and uh, slain in the spirit, they called it. I had never seen this before. I felt quite unsettling because I was still on crutches and the doctor had warned me that I needed to be careful. So at the end, he comes to the front and lays his hand on me and starts pushing me backwards. And I got mad and I pushed back and he says, I sense unbelief, go back to your seat. So I did and it really put a hard place in my heart for a good time after that. About a year later, the pin that had been in my hip shifted up and started digging into my hip bone and the doctor scheduled surgery for me to go in and, and uh, uh, have it removed since it wasn't needed anymore. And the night before my surgery, this is in a different place, one of the elders from my church came in and with his wife and prayed for me and told me to stand up. And I, I had that same reaction. I, was, I, can't, no, I can't believe he's asking me to do this. And he insisted. And I said, well, I'm going to swing my leg over the edge of the bed. And as first, at the first twinge, I will scream loud enough to bring the entire dorm running. And that will be the end of that. So I swung my leg around and I put my foot on the floor and I felt a click in my hip. And I stood up and, and the pain was gone. And they went and they did the x-ray. And sure enough, the pole had repositioned itself back down in the in my um where it was supposed to be and i got really mad at god at that because i said you know there are millions of people all over the world who need to be healed who are suffering from cancer and lou gehrig's disease why would you bother to move the pin in my hip when the surgeon was going to take it out the next day i argued with god about that for the whole night and the answer finally came to me was that the healing that i most needed was in my heart and so that was what God decided he needed to do. And that was sort of a first step until later when I encountered Ubal in the fullness of the Catholic faith, 
because this all happened when I was Protestant, and the fullness of that Catholic faith and that healing continued in a really profound way. Um, and I think that's true for many people, that God recognizes in their heart a hardness or a resistance or whatever it is that is mostly the need for healing. And I think that that is um, what he tries to do. Yeah. In our own petitionary prayer, I think that it's important for us for us to really make our request known to God, for us to say, Lord, remove any anger or bitterness that's preventing me from receiving your love, your mercy, mm -hmm. your healing, you know, to remove any obstacles uh, that are preventing God at work in our life. And of course, confession can remove the sin, that obstacle in our life, of course. So that's a, a beautiful story that you share about your own healing uh, previously, even before uh, the Catholic tradition. So you know, this is a podcast about the Blessed Mother, and one of the ways that I got to know Father Ubald, meet him a few different times, was through his work uh, by coming to the Marian Shrine and Champion. And, you know, in the book, Forgiveness Makes You Free, uh, there are different accounts about Mary and uh, different stories related, whether they're Father Ubald stories or the voices from the genocide, where he gives... Uh, other people an opportunity to voice their own experiences. So, you know, I've seen a few references to the healing that God performed through the apparition of Our Lady of Lourdes, how some people went to Lourdes and experienced healing. Uh, another mm -hmm. section here about the Blessed Mother, the Rosary of My Life. And so he has five different mysteries and kind of how he reflected on his own life in light of those rosary mysteries. And I guess uh, in your work with Father Ubald, did, did you come aware of his Marian devotion? Did you see that on display? What characterized that, I guess? He was just, like, as I mentioned, the one thing that I will always associate Father Ubald is that his joy and his love and that great love that always... Um, he was he was like Mary, and I know it's kind of a weird thing to say. He was a priest, so he's most like Jesus. But he always brought people to Jesus, and that's the characteristic that I most associate with Mary. Hmm. She was she remained hidden for most of her life and and out of sight. And I know in, in the Marian, you know, devotion and traditions, she's very prominent in the very different images of her. But the actual human Mary. I didn't go around, you know, pushing herself forward. She was always leading others to Jesus, and that was her role, and that was her call. And I think that's something that um, I will always think of with Father. He, his mother died. When his mother died, um, he had only one photograph of hers. It happened to be in the hands of the people that had put him through seminary in Europe. All of his personal possessions had been had been destroyed. But his friend from Europe had one picture of his um, ordination and where he's standing next to his mother. Mm. Um, and then the person next to her was the man who had killed his father and she had forgiven and brought him to that ordination. So even in his own life of his own mother, that continual witness of forgiveness and drawing others closer to Jesus was something that was just so much a part of who he was. And so much a part of what he would want us to do now that we, it's up to us to carry his message forward. Father Ubald's life continues, his story continues, you know, and I can't help but realize how closely 
connected to the Lord he was in his ministry. You know, Jesus went about forgiving sins. Well, as a priest, Father Ubald forgave sins. Jesus went about healing. Uh, so many people were healed uh, as they approached the Lord. And and so Father Ubald bringing the Lord to people to heal them, just as, you know, Peter's shadow healed somebody in the Acts of the Apostles. Well, through the Eucharist, through the monstrance, through Father Ubald's prayer, God facilitates so many different healings. So really his life and his legacy he leaves behind is one of forgiveness and healing and really an inspiring story of a priest uh, who was able to forgive even the people that killed his own family. If you are struggling to forgive, I'd encourage you to pick up Forgiveness Makes You Free. Learn the story of Father Ubald, hear his voice, and hear his exhortation challenging you to forgive whoever it is that you need to forgive in your life. One of the things I do on How They Love Mary to end each show is simply to ask the guest about their own Marian devotion. And uh, it'll be interesting because as you shared, you are a convert to Catholicism. So you come into Catholicism. Maybe there was a a reticence on your part uh, towards Marian devotion. That's often reported by converts, kind of Uh, you know, they have to ease into Marian devotion, or sometimes maybe they still think that, well, there's a little bit of exaggerated Marian piety uh, on on the part of some. So maybe I would just be curious about your own uh, Marian devotion. Uh, Typically, I ask questions, but uh, maybe the first would just be, as you came into the Catholic faith, uh, what was that like? Uh, When did a Marian devotion begin to emerge for you? Right. I, um, it came to the church from a strong evangelical tradition, so you are absolutely right. It was not something that came naturally or easily to me at first. Um, about a year after my conversion back in 1994, um, I got a new job and moved across the country and uprooted everything and had to start over in terms of um, getting to know a new parish and getting to make some new friends, and it was a really lonely time of my life. Just before I left, the woman who'd been my sponsor gave me a miraculous medal, and she encouraged me to ask Mary to pray for me using this medal whenever I was feeling lonely. And um, one day I was getting ready to go into church, and I saw that medal. It was on that console between the front seat in, in my car and the passenger seat. And I, I don't know what possessed me at the time, but I picked it up, and I, and I said, God, please don't let anything happen that I could possibly misconstrue as an answer. Mary, if you can hear me, I'd like someone to sit with me in mass, amen. I put down the medal and I walked into church, put my coat down next to me and put the pile there and I got down on the kneeler. And when I looked up, there was a strange woman standing there. She said, I just moved here uh, into the area and I don't know anybody, can I sit with you? (laughs) I thought, okay. So I put my coat over and she sat next to me, went out for breakfast afterwards, it was very nice. The next week I, Got, went back to my car and I saw that miraculous metal sitting there and I picked up the metal and I said that wasn't funny God <laughs> what happened last week was not funny I said and I'm going to keep doing this if, if in, until I get a sense this is really okay that I can really be talking to Mary this way and Mary if you hear me please send someone to sit with me in church and I put it down I went inside piled up my coat got down on the kneeler looked up again five minutes later and there's a different woman standing there asking if she could sit with me. So three weeks in a row this happened. Mm. I wound up writing the story and putting it in my book uh, with Mary in prayer. And I, I put, put this uh, it was in the seminary that I was going to. I went to Sacred Heart Seminary. 
And I, one day I saw somebody, a woman with my book on her lunch tray. And I went up to her and I said, oh, I'm Heidi Saxton. I see you've got a copy of my book. Would you like me to sign it for you? She says, you are not. I said, yeah. And this, I said, would you like me to sign it? She says, well, I was just reading the story that you said that you put in the front of the book about how you sent somebody to sit with you, ask Mary to send somebody to sit with you at mass. She says, I never have anybody to eat lunch with here at seminary. And so I said, well, this is true. Mary sent somebody to sit with me at lunch today. <laughs> And she got like she got her answer. We had lunch that day, and it was lovely. And I think that so often Mary is so patient with her stupid children, and I realize that mm. you know those of us that are just really struggling and just really don't quite have the faith to be able to look at her as a mother. I think she's very patient and kind to us, and and she's willing to work extra hard to develop that relationship like a good spiritual mother. Is there a title of Mary that has emerged as one of your favorites? Well, the the, miracul the Miraculous Medal will always have a spe special place in my heart. Um, I can't say. I went and saw Our Lady of Cabejo when I was visiting Rwanda with Father Ubald and got to see the site of that apparition. Oh, wow. And I think that that was uh, something that has been personally meaningful recently because of the um, the unrest that has been going on in our country and how she had predicted the genocide at that time. Sure. And when Father Ubald saw what was going on in the rioting on the West Coast, he, I was found out from a friend who was there with him that um, he pointed to it. And he said, I know that evil. It was the same evil that he saw at, at the time of the genocide. And I was so grateful in some ways that when he passed, he was aware of what was going on because he was able to pray for us in a way through Our Lady of Cabejo. So he was able to pray for us in a way that he wouldn't have been able to pray for us had he still been on earth. Sure. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, to mention the fact of the Rwandan Marian apparition, I made a little reference to it earlier, but uh, it's beautiful to know that he was devoted, of course, to Cabejo. And, and uh, I, I encourage people to learn about that Marian apparition. Um, you know, one of the ways that I came to know about it was through Immaculate Illibagiza's book. Uh, mm -hmm. I read that book maybe when I was in college, and it was a, a one of those striking moments where you begin to realize, well, everything we believe is real. And like, if these children believe that Mary came to them, well, this must mean something. And I should actually listen to what Mary is saying. So Cabejo was one of those turning points in my own life in terms of Marian apparitions, now having gone on to write quite extensively about Marian apparitions. One of the forms of Marian devotion that's pretty popular, of course, in Catholic piety, kind of the go-to Marian devotion is the rosary. And uh, just wondering if there's any tip that you could offer to help people engage the rosary prayer better, something that's helped you to pray it. I just have my, I happen to have my bees here handy. Uh, every Friday, I have a practice of offering a rosary for my authors. So that I work at Ave Maria Press, and I have a slate of about 12 authors at any time that I'm typically working with at various stages of development. And um, if there's one, you know, they reach and they say that they need a particular prayer, I'll include that in the rosary. But one of the things that um, has helped me is just to schedule schedule a specific time and put it in my day timer and make that a weekly or whatever um, practice so that I don't forget and I have a chance to, in a very intentional way, put myself in God's presence. 
Um, I think that Our Lady's, uh, there are many graces that are associated with the rosary. Um, and I believe that Mary does uh, take our prayers to Jesus in a very special way when we turn to him in that way. But I think as human beings, it's very easy for us to sort of forget and sort of get away from it and sort of rely on our own steam. And so that reminder, you know, um, is setting those those practices in um, in just a practical way, whether on our calendar, on our phone, whatever. That's a good way to continually bring ourselves back in an intentional way. Definitely. You mentioned being at Cabejo, and uh, I know that there are other Marian apparitions uh, in the United States. And or in the United States, we have one. There are other apparitions like Lourdes and Fatima that are the most popular. And so uh, is there another apparition that speaks to you, the one that you have a fondness for? Of course, the Miraculous Medal is an, a Marian apparition received by St. Catherine Labore as well. So mm-hmm. um, a, a favorite Marian apparition? Um, you know, I, I can't honestly say that I have another one that's favorite. When I want to be inspired about the apparitions, I look at uh, Dr. Fastigi's book, Virgin Mother Queen by yes. Ave Maria Press. And that has a list of 10 different uh, apparitions and their stories and their background in a way that, um, and what I appreciate about their book is that it's a great work of, ap- of apology as well. There's a lot of uh, the section at the back where Dr. Fastigi, who is a is a brilliant systematic theologian, yes, yep. puts together all the scriptural and traditional support for uh, private revelations and why they're part of the Catholic belief system. So whether you're just interested in stories about the apparitions or want to be able to explain to non-Catholic friends and family about why, how mm. these fit into our faith life, Virgin Mother Queen is a really good resource for that. Yes, I have read the book. I've, I know Dr. Robert Fisticci uh, personally. We serve on the Council for the Mariological Society together, and uh, mm. Michael O'Neill also contributing to that book as the Miracle Hunter with all the Marian apparition uh, stuff as well. So, yeah, check that out, and you'll learn more about those Marian apparitions. And there was an episode of How They Love Mary with uh, Michael O'Neill uh, mm-hmm. many moons ago now, sometime last year. I think it was about early pandemic uh, when I interviewed him. So you can go back in the archives and catch that interview with Michael O'Neill. There are lots of different Marian shrines. And of course, um, maybe I'm mistaken, but you live right down there by Notre Dame, right? Because you work for Ave Maria Press. So lots Mm -hmm. of people love the Lourdes Grotto there. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a a little Marian shrine. And there are lots of other shrines to Mary, to devotional titles. Here in Wisconsin, we have Holy Hill, for example, or Ohio, Our Lady of Consolation. Is there a Marian shrine that you visited or one that you hope to visit? Yep. I was, in fact, just last week, I was at the the National Shrine of Our Lady of Liliche, which is in uh, Florida. Um, And my my husband and I, before the pandemic, bought an RV, and our goal was to travel across America and to see all the national parks and all the national shrines. And so this was actually the first shrine that I've checked off the list as part of our traveling tour. And what I loved about um, this particular shrine is that it's it's a it's a shrine that's not only for infertile women, though it is for that. Um, this is the shrine where it, that depicts Jesus breastfeeding. Yes, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Mary breastfeeding Jesus. And many women do go there when they're hoping for a child and haven't yet received the answer to their prayer. Um, but it's also for just family, any family that's struggling, you can go there and and be and pray and spend time with Jesus at the at the chapel there and and trust that Our Lady is going to take your prayers back to Jesus and and 
that's a great um, something of great consolation. Yeah, so it's one of my favorite shrines in the United States. I've actually gone there solely to visit there. You know, when I've known a couple that's been trying to conceive, I'll actually fly to St. Augustine, you know, stay at the Best Western or wherever, and then uh, uh, spend a few days in prayer praying at that little shrine there. Oh, that's there. beautiful. Yeah, St. Augustine is one of my favorite places. St. George Street is there, and um, you go down St. George Street. It's kind of a touristy area. Uh, it's a walking street. Uh, uh, you can't drive on it. So, yeah, I love St. Augustine. So, uh, beautiful. A Marian book recommendation. You probably would, would you recommend that book that we already talked about? Or? Yes, that's yeah. definitely one that I, and of course, Father Ubald's book is another one that yeah. um, that I really love. If you're interested, it's, the book is not yet out. So, this is sort of a teaser for the book that's going to be coming out in this fall. It's called Awakening at Lourdes by Christy Wilkins. Yes. And it tells the story of her going to the, sh the shrine at Lourdes to, be he to receive healing for her young son, Oscar, who was having seizures. They were brought by the Knights our Order of Malta out there. And she just recounts the whole experience of what it's like to be at Lourdes. And so if you've ever wondered what it's like and would like to hear, read a healing story. It's a book that's for those who don't necessarily get the miraculous healing that they went for, like I did with my knees. But the, the beautiful part of the story is how she received a healing that she didn't anticipate, just like I did with the story I was telling earlier. So Awakening at Lourdes will be coming out, I believe, this fall by Ave Maria Press. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, actually, she sent me kind of her manuscript. Uh, I was going to look at it and offer to give her a blurb for it. And uh, I haven't done that yet. And you better hurry. It's due tomorrow. Oh, is it really? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll have to One more thing down. to add to your list. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a look at it. Um, so, so the blurb for that. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with her uh, leading up to Our Lady of Lourdes and uh, a beautiful story that she related. And I can't wait to share it again on how they love Mary and to have mm -hmm. an episode with her uh, talking about Lourdes. Well, that's a wonderful conversation that we've had today about Father Ubald, about the Blessed Virgin Mary, about forgiveness and healing. I'd like to thank you so much, Heidi, for joining me today. And you mentioned a, a book of Marian prayers that you authored. Uh, what's the title of that? Uh, sure. It's called The Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers. And that will also be coming out this fall in October, I believe. Okay. And that's, it's exciting because it's a whole bunch of different, beautiful Catholic women, all different kinds of Catholic mothers, each contributed their favorite prayer and reflect upon why this prayer has been so important to them. So and it's a good one to pick up. And Heidi works for Ave Maria Press. So you can check out all that Ave Maria Press offers from Ave Explorers to uh, another podcast that they have that I never remember the name of. I always call it Ave Insights, <laughs> but I know that's not right. Yeah, um, I should know, and I'm sorry. I can't think of top it off. And then, uh, either. But also check out all of the titles that they have. They're one of the great publishers, and I'm happy that they published my book, A Heart Like Mary's, and a new book coming this fall as well, Behold the Handmaid, a 10-day retreat with St. Louis de Montfort. Thanks so much for joining me today, mm -hmm. Heidi. Thank you, Father. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of How They Love Mary and that you took away something from my conversation today with our guest. If you would like to continue this conversation, I'd like to invite you to join the How They Love Mary Facebook group page. It's a discussion group. 
so that not only do we learn from the guests, but we can begin to learn from one another what we took away from each episode and how we are inspired to love the Blessed Virgin Mary more. You can find a link for the Facebook group in the show notes. You can also search for it on Facebook. And while you're there on social media, follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney. I look forward to discussing this podcast and many more episodes with you in the future. I hope that you'll tune in again next week for another riveting conversation about our faith and our Blessed Mother.